Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to Slam Fire Radio, episode 487, recording live on December 22nd. Uh, please note, tonight is a double special episode, uh, last of the year. I'm one of your hosts, Mo. I'm Kelly. How is it double special? <laughs> Just confused. I'm Adriel. <laughs> I'm Dave. I'm curious about the double special as well. Is this like a double-double? I'm Kyle, and is there anything special? No, it's like you know when they don't print a magazine and you get two, you get a double issue because there's not another magazine coming out the next month. So we have we're not no doubling episode. up. But how are we, we just double on for like four hours tonight? We're just going to keep talking until we're all very uncomfortable. Oh, this this is going to be like double, a '90s sitcom. We're going to have a very double in special. I didn't say double in time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just we really have, we have extra special. We have How people in special? festive hats. We have lights. Well, for people true, watching, anyways, they can see it. <laughs> yeah, for those of you uh, listening to it right now, you guys uh, and gals need to watch us record live so you can check out our fancy hats. Well, fancy hats. Kyle and I have fancy hats. Everyone else. Yeah, we didn't do anything yeah. special. Yeah. I, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't find my little Santa outfit. I was going to wear that. I, uh, oh, God. I have a gray beard. Is that Christmas enough? We're symmetrical, at least. We got two bald yeah. guys on the top. We got two guys yeah. with uh, Christmas hats on the bottom. We got a lady. And then we got me. In the middle. Yeah. We gotta, we're basically yeah, just bookends for Kelly. Right? Yeah. Symmetrical. <laughs> okay. We'll get into what we did with guns. Uh, let us start with Kyle. You start with me. Okay. Uh, well, oh my God. got a. Uh, Christmas present from Yay! Kelly. So I've got my calendar for next year. I also actually checked the mail today and apparently got a nice little lapel pin from the CCFR for renewing. I don't know if that's awesome. showing up there. Nice. So it's like yeah. it's like bonanza. You're wearing yeah. a jacket as well. Do you got pants I am. with that? Yeah. Well I got yeah, the I got pants, but you're not I don't need to wear pants. For the audience here wearing, wearing them. pants this evening, is that correct? <laughs> neither current confirm nor deny this fact. Yeah. I'm at my desk, and what you see is what you see. Okay. <laughs> um, Did you register calendar, by the way? And by the way, you can't start yet. registering Can we? it. Oh, yeah. I was, I was going to ask. Oh, last year today. was like January. Yeah. Like January yeah, last year, we were told. No, we switched over early this year. You can start okay. it up right. the announcement. Well, I didn't so even bother yet because last year you made, last two years you made fun of me when I asked if I could register. Early. <laughs> I know, I'm January like, I'm not even going to ask already, this year. We're ready. Do it early. Okay. Okay. So early we can do it now. Offering. Yeah. Okay. So I'll register my calendar then. Cool. Hmm. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, hey. Cool. Um, can I get a show of hands? Stuff. How many people have received all of the calendars and just wondered? I think if... everything. I think everyone has. I got three. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm the only one who I've doesn't have a calendar. Mine. What? Do you want one? 
No. I'm going to mail you a calendar. <laughs> I'm going to mail you one of my spares. No, I'm going to go shopping. I gave away my last three calendars to somebody because nope, I said, I'm mailing you I get one. these? I'm, I'm no. mailing you one back. I'm going to put it in the no. same envelope you sent it. I'm just going to put return to sender. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to go and get the mat to SFRC. I'll go ahead Fine. and purchase mm-hmm. some there. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt what we didn't then. No, it's all good. Uh, just a couple other things. Put together a uh, Form 6 and going through guns to go down to the States. I uh, bought a New Mexico hunting license. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, I guess it's about time for the big announcement. So I started talking with a guy back in the beginning of November about a job down in the U.S. A few weeks ago, I had an interview for said job and about, I don't know, yeah, it's almost two weeks ago now, I accepted a job offer down in New Mexico. So as of last week, visa paperwork is with the company's lawyer. He's filing all the work visa paperwork. And it's looking like we are going to be moving to southeastern New Mexico. Congratulations. That's awesome. We are so sad that we're going to lose I didn't know that adult dancers were rare in that area and they had to bring them in. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, you know. Who knew? You know, Kyle there's a use the for everybody though. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> he puts in, he wears the specialty stuff. Yeah. He's got the Christmas outfit. Well, people like you got to go the extra it. mile. Can I have a question? <laughs> All the sure. Are we able to keep you on the show because you're no, no longer going to be uh, Canadian? I would love to be able to stay on the show. I think nope, we should be to able us. to. Dead to mm-hmm. us because you're gonna come on, come on every week and go, hey, look at hey, the look ARs at and AKs I brought this week. Oh yeah. Hey, look at my well, handgun I've been carrying all day. You know what's funny is oh, because I have day. been kind of doing some window shopping. Of course you have. Course you have. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is one thing I found. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, semi-auto. Or- Okay. Now you just belt looks like it has more than five rounds on it. This this (laughs) five grand. (laughs) For our listeners, it's a M nineteen nineteen and seven six two or two two three with two hundred and twenty three links. Well, it's funny because it says it's with four hundred rounds of linked seven six two with two two three links. So I'm thinking it's pushed really really hard. Yeah, that's Dave, cool. There's yeah. a bunch of guys up here that have those. Dave, well, did you ever shoot yeah. the one that we had at the charity shoot? I did not. Oh, okay. No. I didn't. I, I don't tend to actually do much shooting at the charity shoots. I'm just wandering around talking to people and mocking Trevor. So it keeps yeah. me busy. <laughs> and you you typically will help me because you'll carry my all my mags and load them for me. That's true. I'm Kelly's mag. <laughs> so, Kyle, get, what, what guns are you actually looking at? Because if I was moving to the States, I'd be looking at like. <laughs> Subcompacts, yeah, concealed So here's the thing like with uh, New Mexico, I've been obviously looking into a lot of stuff. So, for concealed carry, from what I've been seeing, you need to be a permanent resident or a citizen to get a New Mexico carry permit. Okay, mm. but I can go across the border, I'm less than an hour away from the Texas border, get a non resident Texas concealed carry permit, which is accepted right. in New Mexico. Oh, uh, cool. Very reasonable. So, 
right off the bat, I will be looking at, well, just carrying my Glock 48, but I have been really checking out the uh, three, the SIG P365X macro. Sexy. So it's a yeah, 17 sexy. round uh, cut for optic. Uh, it's inter- integrally compensated, so it's actually a shorter barrel than the slide, and the slide's been cut. And yeah, so that's been what I've been kind of looking at for a carry pistol. And then, of course, I'm looking upper and lower uh, AR receiver, which I'm thinking of talking to some friends down at uh, Sons of Liberty in San yeah. Antonio and seeing if they awesome. can help me out with uh, upper and lower. And, of course, going down there, I got to have the AK-47. Of course. Now, of course. In fact, actually, I was thinking about this earlier, and remember the goat guns I got? So I got the goat guns here. Mm. Yeah. I think I actually have a goal. You can match them. Yes. I want to match them. (laughs) So, so yeah, but right off the bat, yeah, the carry. So the 365 uh, X macro, obviously I want upper and AR upper and lower right away for competition gun. And then, well, always wanted an AK. So that'll be on the first, first to buy list. Oh, they're fun. You got to get an AR-10 yeah. for uh, for hunting as well. Yeah. You know what? You, you, probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but here's the funny thing. So I talked with the ATF to find, because there was some misconceptions about going down with a visa and being prohibited to actually possess firearms and that, which is why I bought the New Mexico hunting license right away, because, yeah, technically it's prohibited unless you have a hunting license or... Even importing, like if you're being admitted into the country, if I just keep a match registration current, I'm good. Yeah. Or mm. as a non-resident of New Mexico, it costs me 65 bucks US for a year-long hunting license for New Mexico, and that makes me legal. Nice. Oh, cool. So, so yeah, with my f- no, go ahead, Kelly. I was going to ask. So. Um... No, just never mind. I'll talk to you <laughs> af- afterwards. After we're not actually, you get on pulled there. over by a cop, well, and you're like, "What's I'm what just are you going? Doing with that's P three sixty five. Ah, hunting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I was gonna <laughs> ask. But... Well, here's the interesting thing with, and it actually in their frequently asked questions and everything, the hunting license does not need to be in a state where you plan on using said firearms. Hmm. Huh. It's just I'm, a hoop to jump through. And they we pretty the much outright thing. admit that. <laughs> yeah, okay. we have the same thing in what, New Brunswick? Is it, is it New Brunswick or Nova Scotia where you have to have like a, a hunting license if you want to go, to go shoot in the bush? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's New Brunswick. Yeah, it's, New a, Brunswick. it's a thing here too. So it's uh, like we, we can't throw stones too far because yeah. we do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So New Mexico, eh? Yeah, New Mexico. And with the Form 6, I it was funny because I was putting together my Form 6 because, of course, pistols, I can't do anything about them. I have to be able to bring them or change address or whatever. And we've talked offline about it. But uh, since realizing that, oh, that's actually a piece of cake, I can actually still use the Form 6 NIA. I don't have to get special permission from the ATF. I went through and was like, okay, well, what am I going to sell? What am I going to keep? And I just submitted a Form 6 for uh, 18 guns. <laughs> so nothing. <laughs> You're kicking well, <laughs> well, I've sold a few, and I, I out of there's still three that aren't on 
that list. But so with the form six, <laughs> that's your you're importing them into the states, right? Technically, but you have to take them. Well, it's with it's you a temporary leave. it's a temporary import permit. So like uh, our guests were saying, they were they're good for a year. So my work permit, once it comes through, will be good for three years, and I will just have to reapply for that form six in order to keep those firearms legal while I'm down there. Okay. You, know what you should so you just really renew do? it and then you're good to go. You should really actually um, host our charity shoot down there and we should all come and visit you. That would be awesome. Road trip. So actually like the, obviously I've been looking at this for a bit. There's one really well there's many cool things about it but uh, if we want to talk about ranges in the area. So We'll be living in work, living and working around Carlsbad. Okay. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So the city of Carlsbad set aside it was just over six hundred acres for a recreational area, and like there's a RC field. I think there's like a actual like go kart track, like professional go kart track, and then there's gun range. Cool. Nice. And I believe like the rifle bay goes out to 600 yards. There's a pistol bay. I believe there's some trap ski, maybe even some sporting clays. If I, I can't quite remember that, but I know there's like short range rifle, long range rifle, pistol. It's free. Awesome. You just, just show up. Yeah. You just free. show up and shoot, bring your targets and yeah, show up and shoot. See, why don't our governments do that here? That is bullshit. So, <laughs> park in Ottawa. Yeah. We need a handgun range right in the middle of right in the middle of Ottawa. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and from the looks of it, it's maybe fifteen minutes from town. Neat. How close is Carlsbad to Albuquerque? Oh, I believe we'd be about four hours ish. Okay, so it's not it's not close to Albuquerque. All right. Now, like Albuquerque's more in the middle, and we are in the southeast corner. Okay. So. Yeah, but uh, that's that's what's been going on with me and why I've been kind of going through stuff. And it, if you looked at my place, it doesn't look like much has been getting done because it's just trying to figure out what I'm getting rid of, what I'm taking down. I'm pretty much decided I'm not bringing any ammo down with me. I'll bring down reloading supplies. Even my reloading bench is probably going to, I'll probably sell that up here okay. and, and that. So, but uh, yeah, be a bit of adjustment. That's awesome. That's a big move. Adjustment. Your adjustment's going to be like, <laughs> I can do that? I can do that? Oh, oh yeah. Naughty. With all this naughty freedom. <laughs> a bit of a process. We'll go with a bit of a process. <laughs> I'm going to be hyperventilating from all the Discovery. freedom. Discovery. Awakening. Yeah. <laughs> hyperventilating from all the freedom. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Weeping. But yeah, so I'm sure we'll come the new year, we'll hear more about what's going on there, but let's uh, move it along. And uh, Dave, what have you done in guns the last little bit? I got a calendar from Kelly, which made me super happy. So thank you, Kelly. <laughs> it's freaking sweet. And as well, when I was ordering my calendars for gifts that I give people, I got uh, a CCFR challenge coin, which is nice. pretty and big. And you could, you could, you could, you could take somebody out pretty good with this thing. I may just take carry someone's it eye out. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think you could injure somebody with this thing. It's pretty. Not that I would in Canada because doing that would be a criminal offense. Yeah. But it's pretty heavy. It's an impressive little piece of uh, little piece of challenge coins. Very pretty. And it says uh, 
Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights member. Firearms rights are human rights, pictures of guns. And then on the other side, it's got the uh, the awesome CCFR logo with the AR-15 in the middle of it, the new one. So yes. very cool. Yeah. I uh, renewed my CSSA membership because they pestered me about it, which I don't think the CCFR ever does because I always miss my renewal date. And I, I don't know why. Uh, you probably got an email you just didn't. I don't spam. know that I did because I don't remember ever seeing one. <clears throat> but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I'm just not paying attention. Maybe. I haven't been paying a lot of attention to my gun, my uh, my firearms email address the last three years for obvious reasons. Paying more attention the last couple of months, but uh, had an ORA Ontario Rifle Association program directors meeting, program or, or match organizers meeting. So we got all our getting all our dates into the bases for next year. So we're hoping to have a. We asked for a lot of dates, so we'll see what happens. There's a new guy over there doing the. Uh, the uh, commercial people can't remember what his what his uh, title is, but he essentially deals with civilian organizations and police. So that's the guy we booked the ranges through, and he's got a really good relationship with him. Met him, seems like a really awesome guy. He dropped by one of our matches uh, in the fall to have a chat, and uh, yeah, seems like a really cool guy. So hopefully everything goes well there, and we have a big old uh, schedule next year. Looking forward to it. Uh, still trying to figure out what's going to go on with uh, service rifle and CQB now CQC matches because close range matches without semi-auto rifles will be boring and no one will do them so I have to figure that out service rifle we're probably going to do with bolt guns figure that out uh, and I've got lots of angry hunter friends which is amazing mm. all my hunter friends that were like meh handguns whatever meh AR-15s whatever now, all of a sudden, most of them have something that's on the new Prohib list. So now, all of a sudden, they're very interested and very angry, which is amazing. And one of them commented yeah. that he hates politics and it's bullshit that he has to be involved just because he mm. likes to shoot guns. No said, way. Welcome to the last 30 years of my life. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, it, human nature. I can't get too yeah. angry about it. We all tend to do that, right? Unless it yeah. actually affects us, we're kind of like, oh, I'll do something about it tomorrow. I don't really care. We're all guilty of that, yeah, in some form or another. But uh, yeah, oh, he's mad. He is just so angry. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, so I'm super <laughs> happy. And he's also very angry because he uh, there's a uh, spa in his area that's been there for a year and they've decided that they don't like all the neighbors which are farmers shooting guns so they have complained and they're trying to get a firearms discharge bylaw to oh, keep no. anyone from shooting in the area <laughs> and oh. there's a uh, big there's a big nature area next to them as well public forest where people atv through there and it is it is quote unquote all that fun is quote unquote ruining their tranquil surroundings <laughs> <laughs> Well, so you know I what found. to do about that. You pay some tax money to make a uh, activity park. You make like a, a yeah. little like motocross area, and you make a gun range, and you put it in one spot, and then they don't bother you with noise as yeah. much. Or I do suppressors, noise yeah. pollution. <sighs> yes. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Whether the whether the uh, the one person who owns the spa will manage to convince town council that they should ruin everyone else's fun, or whether town council will tell them to bugger off. I'm hoping it'll be the latter. And yeah. that is it, Adriel. What have you been up to? 
Uh, it's been too cold to shoot. It's cold here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How no, cold is it? It's well, so cold that it's too cold for Adriel to shoot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, cold. there's the shooting part, which like I can shoot in minus 30, but then there's also like the driving to the range part, which at this point, the roads are pretty icy and mm. uh, dangerous and you can't get a tow truck. So if you like, wreck, <laughs> uh, you might just die there. So, you know, is that <laughs> might <be> worth it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> Uh, I put out a couple videos. I put out the announcement about Alberta and what's going on there. Ooh. Put out the Lynx 180 review, uh, which was kind of fun. Uh, an old high school buddy of mine found and commented on one of the videos, which was which was neat. Oh, that happened to me last week. A guy that I used to play video games with like 25 years ago randomly commented on one of my videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of uh, kind of fun to to reconnect mm. on some of that stuff. Mm. Uh, I'm working on a flashlight vid and a Soviet over-under vid. I've got that thing back there, and I finally worked on that and got it ready to go. So that'll be coming up soon. Uh, I ordered a... So I was, I was actually... I was looking at the Smith & Wesson Model 41 mags. I couldn't find any uh, earlier in the year. And I saw another video of a guy who said that they work in the Olympia uh, pistols as long as you uh, cut a groove into them. And I hmm. thought, like, oh, I want to try that. So... Uh, I found a place that had them, uh, FOC, and I found that they also had the TLR6 flashlight for my Glock 48, so I ordered mm-hmm. both oh, those. Yeah, I ordered, some, I ordered both of those. Uh, I got the label pin as well, or the lapel pin from uh, uh, CCFR. I've been seeing those stickers around on vehicles every once in a while. I'll be driving in traffic, and I'll be like, ah, CCFR in front of me. It's kind of kind of neat to see. Kind of shows like how many of us uh, there are out there, which is uh, which is also interesting. I like walking by somebody with CCFR gear, and you kind of make eye contact, and you just nod. Like, yeah, <laughs> that silent like, code. Like motor- yeah, like riding a motorbike and doing the wave, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, I made uh, my uncle was over. Made some uh, forty-four Magnum. He got a like a Henry Golden Boy. Is that the one? Forty-four oh, Magnum. Nice Short guy. Yeah, yeah, and you got one of those really nice, really nice lever action with the engraving. Uh, with the engraving on it, like not the engraving you're thinking of. Oh. No, not the trucker <laughs> engraving. Oh, Stupid no. engraving. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he got a classy one. <laughs> nice. Um, and then I've been doing some magazine organization. I'll see if I can here. I'll see if I can. Uh, I call your own. Oh soul yeah, fortunes there. Look at oh, that. Gun yeah. magazines. Nice. Yeah, so they're all... Because they were in this bucket before, but <laughs> yeah. the bucket's like ripped yeah. itself off the wall a couple of times because there's so much <laughs> weight from all the ammo, so I, I had to do something. So I, I got these magnetic strips from Princess Auto, 12 bucks for two, That's and they awesome. hold lots of mags. I may have to do that because I've got all every magazine that I own is in a tote and the tote is rammed into a, into a shelf and the tote broke the other day and all of my magazines spilled out across. So there must be 50 magazines in there. Well, now they're all on my floor and I haven't picked them up yet. So that that (laughs) bin's fallen off the wall like three times for me. It's just too much weight. It just rips off and then they're all over the floor. And it's it's just not convenient to dig through for magazines. So just by, I, I couldn't put any of my Glock mags up there. Like any, if, as soon as you have a couple of rounds in like a, even the Glock mag with the metal liner, they kind of start sliding down. Mm. Uh, but mm. I have a ton of metal only mags that fit just fine up there. And now they're not in the bin and the bin is just my nice. plastic mags pretty much. Well, you just need to 3d print yourself some mag holders for your Glock mags and nail them in the wall. Bin. 
<laughs> Bin holds all. Uh, yeah. Uh, I got, aside from that, like I'm just looking for other things to do in the winter. So I got a ping pong table. I've been doing some like Microsoft Flight Sim. Mm. And uh, I still have to do my Sherwood Park test, like the orientation test that they, they make you do on the way in. So I'll have to. I'll have you to haven't just... done that yet? I'm so lazy. <laughs> I've been trying to get up to a local gun club here to apply for like six months and I keep getting a text hey the next orientation day is this day and I'm like oh no problem I'll be there and then I'm like oh shit, that was two days ago <laughs> what um what gun club is that uh yeah I think it is not east is it east east gray it's up by oh Meaford. yeah it's the non-military Meaford right yeah it's east gray yeah. yeah. Hi, Adam. If you're listening, Adam is the, the VP up there. So. Hi, Adam. Yeah. I'll get so, there one day, Adam. Greg Mays. He works at a, he helps out at that range. Go oh, talk okay. to him. Go shoot with him. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Well, that, I, get like, I just went like reconfiguring guns. Just like I, I had a, all my air parts in a bin and I put those on a gun again just, nice. to, just to have it and uh, put it up on the wall and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, your Berta rifle now? <laughs> no, nah, it's Berta. just my wall rifle. It looks cooler on the wall than like a, an upper and lower, just like clamped together. Yeah, it does look cool. Yep. Uh, what about you, Kelly? So I haven't been on in two weeks, right? We missed. Yeah. I was on last week, so correct. It's been two weeks, so I I've done a bunch of stuff, but I don't feel like I've done anything. I've been to SFRC, I think, like five times. And uh, it's good to see them. I was there for a calendar signing. Um, some other things have been happening too. So I bought some ammo there, nine mil. It was a really good price, by the way. Um, I got some she shoots was happening. So we had Diana Mueller. Do you guys know who she is? I'm sure yep. Adriel and Kyle. Yeah. No. Three gun. Yeah, three gun. She's <laughs> the three gun goddess. Um, yeah. So she was on um, she shoots. She's an amazing lady, by the way. Um, I think that we're going to have to have her on the show here. Uh, so she also is the founder for DC Project, which is a Second Amendment. And it's a bunch of women who go to uh, the nation's capital and they talk to their representatives and talk about, you know, guns, specifically the ability to shoot and how women uh, are the next generation of shooters and we're not bad people. So I think it's cool. amazing. So uh, we're furiously, and I mean furiously, planning season two for She Shoots podcast. So it is going to be happening, and uh, we're going to announce our lineup in the next little bit. But um, some of the things that we're going to do differently this time is we're we're still doing disciplines in that as well because we've done a lot of them last year. We introduced people to do to the different disciplines, but we're now organizing it into different categories as well. So we're going to look at different things. Like for example, organizations, again, those organizations that should support women in shooting, uh, but we're also going to look at occupations and then we're also going to look at specifically mentors and maybe uh, coaches and other things. Again, disciplines, people who are fantastic shooters and then also we might have a surprise or two. So it's going to be fun. A nice. uh, couple other things that we're doing, we're planning our IBCs, which is our instructor boot camps for Project Maple Seed for the Ontario region. And I just confirmed uh, a date uh, tonight, so which is exciting. And uh, we're also officially going to have a winter series here in Ontario. So Ooh. I'm putting it out there. And uh, if people are interested, we will make those announcements and get you here. And hey, 
if I can make it happen, we'll even get special patches for it. So uh, one of the other things I did was uh, with Kelly uh, Kincaid, her and I are uh, being asked to take over our club level ATT course. So we uh, went to the range and we helped out with that. So we're still doing club level ATTs. It's just a um, just to make sure that the shooters that do come in. Is it just so that they know like who to call at the government to get the ATT or who to email? Or do, do they know that they get an automatic ATT when no, they... No, it's the handgun course. Safety course. <laughs> handgun safety. Handgun safety course. <laughs> you call it the club level ATT, but it's actually a handgun safety Yeah, course. they did the same thing. I don't really... Yeah. Anachrism? Anachrism? Yeah. So, so it's, the club, it's the club saying, you know what... We just want to make sure that you're a safe shooter. And then once you actually do that, then you can come in and, and shoot your uh, pistol by yourself or whatever. So I always found it a little bit it. amusing at a lot of clubs that you can just go shoot your non-restrictions, you get to go, but handgun, you have to take the course. Yeah, well, it was a good thing that we people did uh, come and take this course. I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt horrible for some, all guys. And I walk into the room, hey, I know your father. I'm going, oh, yeah, who? And he tells me, I said, yeah, he's, he's my dad. And at the end of it, I said, so when you see my father next time, tell him I wasn't mean to you. <laughs> lies, lies. Why do you pay people to lie, Kelly? I feel horrible because I did feel horrible because, um, um, yeah, Kelly and I were, we took them out and did their live fire with them. And then we were just putting them through the gears if they were, nope. All right, here's what we're going to do. So we just, <laughs> We went through the fundamentals with them, and those that could shoot, they shot really well. Those that needed a little bit of help, they were able to get uh, what we needed out of them, and we were able to uh, to sign off on it. So it was awesome. Lots Had of a bunch of fun. Laps. What? Lots of push-ups and laps around the range. Yeah, we didn't make anybody cry. I think there was a couple of people close, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I uh, just want to let everybody know that the calendar is out officially. So go to the CCFR website and purchase it. Uh, yes, there is a $15 flat rate fee for shipping it across Canada. So if you would like to add other things to it, like stickers, t-shirts, etc., then you can take advantage of that. Not only are you supporting the CCFR women's group, but you're also supporting the CCFR who are supporting you. Or you can go to a couple of our the retailers, the sponsors that we've had that have ordered the calendars. You can go in there and you can pick up the calendars without having to pay shipping. So a couple of uh, so Bullseye North has uh, calendars available. Select Shooting Supplies, Shooter's Choice, which is in southwestern Ontario. Uh, SFRC in Harrismith here in Ontario as well, and then out west. We only have a couple of um, stores that still have them left. So Tundra Supply, which is in Edmonton, you can go over there and ask for John. Say, tell him we said hi. The other thing with calendars, too, you can now officially go and register. I know that I told everybody what? January 1st. Really? But because we've already had our draws for December, I did actually go and talk to the to the gentleman that manages our page and everything. I said, hey, pretty please, can you open this up? And that way people can go and register the calendar. So it is officially open. Uh, the other thing I did too was over the past um, little while is I bought, I put in the show notes that I said I bought a shit ton. I literally bought a shit ton of um, of gear for hunting. So nice. I was nice, nice and toasty warm this year and I've got all kinds of things for next year, including um, hats that light up and all kinds of different things. And I'm to- going to be toasty, toasty warm with my, my new... I got... Yeah, I got a lot of stuff. And it was all on sale, too. So, nice. Which is super exciting. Um, would, would you be toasty in northern Alberta right now? 
Till the battery's It's running. 40 degrees below. Um, <laughs> now I could go out. But just wear a duke. Yeah, just wear a duke. Never a duke, eh? Yeah, yeah. Eh, it's Alberta. Um, I think that's it. I don't, I, yeah, I think that's it. He, Mo, did you talk about what you've done? No, I don't remember doing it. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you where, what I what I didn't do. I'm not going to be moving to New Mexico, unfortunately, so I can buy an AK and uh, carry pistol. But anyways, oh. I know, it's sad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I went to, uh, so my local range had their IPSC match uh, last weekend. I went to the, the build on Friday night, as I usually do, Friday afternoon night. Uh, then I stuck around for the the Friday sh- the Friday shooters. I normally just uh, help patch and and set steel and stuff, but I was strongly encouraged to because they they were short of scorekeepers, so I was asked to scorekeep, and it was the first time I did it. And as always, I'm always nervous about anything new, but I ended up actually enjoying it. So, uh, so I did. Uh, there was two squads that I ended up scoring, and I got into a routine with it pretty quick. And uh, I thought nice. that was pretty fun. Um, you know, calling out the scores back, call, calling out the t- time back, and um, so that was good. Uh, then I went back on Saturday for the actual match. Uh, it was like a Christmas theme. They had a stage set up. Uh, where you started off with only one round in the chamber, a- empty mag, uh, empty magwell, and then you had all your mags inside, like what was like a, a Christmas gift box, and it was, it was closed. <laughs> and so you had That's to, fun. you had to, your, 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 obviously after the beep, you had to hit mm. a plate, a, hit a plate down range that would would open the box so you had obviously the one shot the <laughs> one, one shot to make it and uh and if you mm-hmm. didn't then you could take you could take a procedural to obviously open the box to get your mags to yeah, to okay. finish the rest of the day but but i hit it so it was good i obviously took a few you know an extra millisecond to to line it up to make sure i hit it so that was that was fun uh the not so fun part was they had set up this um like a, there was a target stand set up like a tree and they had made these little plates. And I mean, like they were these skinny malnourished plates and they were, they were pretty, <laughs> they were pretty tough to hit at distance. So uh, that was not as fun. Um, and overall we had a, we had a good time. It was a good match. And then um, I went, I went back to that same range on Monday. Cause they had an, they have their IPSC practice nights. I usually don't go, but I, I decided to go this, this time. And uh, it was like seven or eight of us there. And it's very, very relaxed. You know, we just set up uh, various targets and move things around. And it's just a real, like, it's like a, it's like pickup hockey, but for Ipsic. It was, it was pretty cool. And that same tree came out with those skinny little <laughs> plates. And uh, we did, a, we had a little fun, like, just competition amongst us. And uh, it was like sing, uh, draw draw a single shot and then and then we, they record the time right so you would have to do that for every single it was a six plates like three at the bottom two in the middle one at the top and then we uh so that there was a time obviously and it could be like you know the probably said i think the fastest like was a one and a half seconds um and uh so i think i did middle of the pack so t- like a typical ipsic match i finished kind of middle in the pack so but it was uh after 
shooting at it a few more times, I got definitely more comfortable with those smaller, smaller plates. Uh, and then we had some movement drills too, and that was fun. Um, I think I shot like 250 rounds, something like that. Um, and I don't think I did much else besides, uh, besides that there's, uh, there's no matches coming up for the, the next couple weekends, obviously because of the holidays and, uh, that's it for me. We can get into upcoming events, but we do not have anything listed. As mentioned, uh, it's the holidays. Yeah, no, I, of course, of course. <laughs> and, and, and no one and shooting outside in Alberta, in Alberta, right? So, <laughs> no. Are we allowed to shoot legally anywhere else in Canada anymore, or is it just Alberta? Uh, just Alberta. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's risky, too. <laughs> There's definitely risk to shooting here. Yeah. Um, ladies days, Kelly also knows the CCFR's women's division is looking to support sponsor ladies days events at your range. This is a range driven initiative, but if you would like sponsorship and support contact Kelly at slamfireradio at gmail.com or info at firearmsrights.ca. Hello. Okay, so we'll get into the news. We have uh, Barton's Back Alley Range now open in Grand Prairie. Barton's. Barton's. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Barton's big country. They're, uh, they didn't enter this in, but yeah, the range is now open. They just opened at, what is it, like uh, just under 20 meters indoor range. Actually, really nice retrievers, nice range. I actually had to go in there and do some wire up some live range lights. Mike there, but uh, yeah, it's a nice looking range. He's spent enough money on it, and I think I believe he's going to have gun rentals there as well. So that's two indoor ranges with gun rentals in Grand Prairie. So that's pretty cool. Amazing. Are they going to be a Nipsey club? Uh, They're going to actually probably focus a little bit more on tactical for the extracurricular stuff. Like they that the owner and the group that he hangs around with are more on the uh yeah the tactical side of things okay and uh who put in the next story the traction apology from the montreal gazette uh that was me um Uh, that one's delicious delicious well it is and it isn't the isn't part is um i think it's winston churchill's got a saying the lie gets halfway around the world before truth gets yeah Chance to put on mm. pants. And I think that uh, this is a good one because uh, I'm going to share my screen just so people can see here. But yes. the Montreal Gazette put out a retraction uh, about the poly thing with CCFR. They said they got Ooh. it wrong and uh, they put out a retraction and apology on it. I wonder why they did that. Well. Because it was a lie. <laughs> Marco, Marco needs to lie about everything around this gun bill. You know, a bill is good when they have to lie about it at every turn, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, wait, no, that I guess. I yeah. 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 That, so for people who aren't aware of what happened, the, the poly, Lacal Polytechnique, the, the government's pet anti-gun group these days, they posted a stupid Twitter thing where they posted um, CCFR had posted some of their um, some of their merch 
And Polly tweeted that CCFR doing what CCFR does best, which I don't know what that's supposed to mean. And yeah. uh, CCFR tweeted back and said, "Hey, thanks. We're gonna thanks for the free advertising. We're gonna run a ten percent off with hashtag Polly for the or Polly for the discount code." And no. then Polly got all, "Oh my God! They're like, they're they're somehow selling this." Because of no, the upcoming they anniversary. No, they didn't react they right didn't, away. They didn't, they didn't, didn't react. They waited <laughs> until yeah. the day before the anniversary. Yeah. 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 Then they talked. They're, they're opter- yeah. opportunistic cretins, that's for sure. Well, no, yeah. They, know what they're doing. they didn't mention the fact that it was how many um, how many weeks slash month and a half ago-ish. It has nothing to do with it. So no, of course They not. needed to they needed to apologize. Um, I guess that they were and the media ran with it. Yeah. And then I it think became the, the CCFR, the controversial group that is using a yeah. shooting to advertise merchandise yeah, somehow. And, it, and nobody actually checked to see if that was true. They just went with it. Well, of course, yeah. that's typical. Yeah. Makes so a good headline, so go with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Awesome. Okay, so leading into CCFR legal challenge. Um, Speaking of CCFR. Sorry? <laughs> yes. So the court date is set, which is going to be 11, uh, April 11th to 20th uh, in 2023. Uh, if you'd like to donate, it's a great time to do it. They definitely need the support. I, I uh, believe there's a lot of money to collect for the for the legal fund. So uh, please do so by sending an EMT at finance at firearmsrights.ca. And speaking of the CCFR, if you're not following the YouTube page, Rod and Tracy are killing it with their videos lately. It is freaking awesome. They're doing an amazing job. So go follow their videos and watch the most recent ones. They are fantastic. Good stuff. Uh, We'll get into new gun stuff brought to by Bullseye North, need a new boomstick. Bullseye North is Canada's shooting superstore and a proud supporter of the CCFR with a wide selection of guns and top trending gear for any shooter. Free shipping over $200. Some exclusions apply like ammo. Subscribe to their weekly newsletter to get first access to the hottest deals. And the one I want to show here, I don't know, like I just pick stuff that I like. Uh, they have the sal- saloon. Saloon? Saloon? Whatever. It's a Turkish bullpup. Uh, pump action, 12 gauge, 487. Mag fed. Mm. Hmm. That mm-hmm. is cheap. Good price. Take but... FD 12 mags. It's a pump, but it's not going to get banned. The semis are going to get banned. This one's not going to get banned. Well, don't say that's not going to get banned. <laughs> yeah, no, that's scary. <laughs> that's scary looking. That feet. <laughs> you're right. You're It'll right. be a while. You're though. right. But you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's a pretty it's a pretty decent discount. Oh, they're out of stock. Well, I know how to pick them. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, next one on here is uh, Rangeview Sports is doing a flash sale. This is good for today only. Ooh. They have the FN PS90 for twenty one hundred bucks. Nice. And they have the Tavor Seven for twenty nine hundred bucks. I'm rounding here, but. Uh, Based on yeah. that pricing, I, f- I feel uh, confident in my rounding. Kind of want one and, of those tours uh, for deer hunting. And that X ninety five is a good price because most people are se- at twenty two ninety nine. Most people are selling it at 
26 and a half, 27. Yeah. yeah. 2280 for yeah, FDE or 2299 for the uh black uh, X95. Yeah, that's a great price. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. get one can. It is interesting the black is more expensive than the FDE. Yeah, it is. Maybe maybe the FDE is like think... baby puke yellow or something. <laughs> it's not true FDE. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, off I mean, IWI has got to get it right, but you know, yeah. it's weird. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, the next one I have here is Iron Guns has the Ruger LC carbine uh, ready to sell into Canada. Now, this is the restricted barrel length. Restricted, yes. Yeah. It's the 16 and something, 16 inch <sighs> barrel. It looks like the Ruger uh, 5.7 handgun, but yeah. they turn it into yeah. a rifle. It does. Yeah. The grip's the same. The trigger mechanism is yeah. the same. I the safety looks like the handgun safety. It's like, like you said, it's like one of those Ronins. They took the pistol and just mm. threw it into a frame. I don't mind it. I don't mind reloading oh. the mags into the grip of the gun. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Gives you a little bit of extra barrel length. Uh, looks like a folding stock, which, why not? It's a pistol. Yeah. It's like why a not? pistol. Yeah. The only thing I don't like is restricted. I mean, I would, I don't yeah. know how many people are ever gonna buy restricted rifles again i won't like ever i won't i won't but i got a couple buddies who have but yeah i won't one uh this is from the shooting edge they have mossberg retrogrades so if you're looking for an old-timey looking shotgun uh they have some of those they're right around 700 bucks so they're not cheap but they look old-timey if you like that kind of thing i like the one with the heat shield Make your own, make a little trench gun. Yeah. True North Arms has a bunch of Enfields in. So if you want like a World War II or a later era uh, rifle, they've got them. They've also like picked up a couple of the accessories. Like they've got some mags for them and they've got some barreled actions and that kind of thing. So they're starting to carry some more of this stuff. I would love if they started carrying like all the Lee Enfield parts because they're a bastard to get in Canada. Yeah, that would be good. Holy yeah. crap! Long branches are sixteen hundred. Well, up to sixteen hundred bucks now. Mm-hmm. If they're original, they're not like a remake. If they're original and they're in decent condition, like yeah, wow, yeah, that's, that's just what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been looking at those Carcanos because they're still right around three hundred bucks, and and I bet after mm. they dry up, they'll be up six six hundred plus. Yeah. This is like an investment mm-hmm. thing. Like, why invest mm-hmm. in stocks when you can invest in Carcanos? <laughs> that's the future right there yeah the future of investing they're, forget your bitcoin they're gonna double they're gonna double in the next 10 years forget about real estate marstar has the i wanted to show they have the mrx bisons they also have the t-rex broncos you're looking for a 308 in a 16 and a half or 12 and a half inch and barrel. Half. My God, the blast off this thing oh. would be insane. Imagine if you, if you put a brake on here as well. It's got a it's got a threaded muzzle. You could put a brake on this thing. Imagine a brake 12 and a half inch 308. That would be insane. Wow. Given the barrel length, I would definitely put a muzzle brake on that. <laughs> I wouldn't. That's going to kill. I wouldn't. Oh, it, uh, yeah. It would I, I would, I would put a brake so on that hard. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh no, you guys! You would shoot like three rounds out of here. Like I wouldn't like that. I like that that twelve inch uh, AR barrel with a break on it. It feels like you're getting slapped in the face every yeah. time, and it's like 
why am I doing this? <laughs> Real weight would no. be. Why do you way keep worse. hitting yourself? Why do you keep hitting yourself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd run a flash hider or uh, a, mm. something else. Run yeah, a when I say break, I mean like a compensator, so it actually has a down force to keep that muzzle down. Yeah. 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 I bet you most of the most of the uh, gases that you're de- developing in here just go out the end of the barrel and just poof, nice fireball yeah. that doesn't like doesn't give you any extra recoil or anything like that. Just extra burn, extra burn outside the barrel. Yeah. Have any of you guys actually shot any of those BCLs, either this or the three or the two two three ones? Actually, I haven't. I haven't mm-hmm. seen one in the wild yet. No, I haven't <sighs> seen one either. I'm tempted, but then it's BCL, so then I'm not tempted. I but haven't heard anything gun, so can they get awful them yet. <laughs> I haven't BCL. heard anything awful. No? Hmm. Uh, oh. 20 rounds of 308. Hmm. Looks like they're making big mags for it, which is interesting as well. Yes. Yeah. They have uh-huh. 20 uh-huh. rounders for their 223 version as well. Now, my, yep. oh, that looks like just a standard AR buffer tube, so you can get a different stock and because uh, that's mm-hmm. my my biggest thing is I see that cheek rest and how high the receiver comes over that. Uh, <clears throat> you're gonna want a riser on that, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. I think on your you'd want to mount the scope pretty low too. Well, as low as possible, but even still, yeah. you're gonna need a cheek riser to. Yeah. 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 Probably. Just too low. Too low. Yeah. Just just an observation. That's all. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go on like Reddit on our guns or that that kind of thing, you see all sorts of like sky high optics that are, like way too high off the uh, off the rail, and people will be getting like no chin weld even. Yeah, <laughs> that's like good observation. <laughs> yep, yep. Jeez. Uh, Delask is given the warning; they're raising prices next year. They said, no. you know, inflation it's coming up. Uh, they're saying it's not getting us, us getting greedy. We just got to do it. So, uh, if you want to buy some stuff, buy it now. When they reopen yeah. January one, they yeah. will, or in January, they're going to be going through the website and uh, raising their prices. Raising the prices. Mm. Uh, a few other places have done that as well. That's just what it is. Yeah. Inflation. Yeah. And uh, uh, my neighbor more. was looking at. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just said everything costs more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh my neighbor was uh was asking like where to get the cheap nine millimeter right now. I looked at a couple different places. Rangeview had some cheap stuff, FOC had some cheap yeah, stuff. I think this looking. is the cheapest. Uh I'm making, I'm making has air some quotes stuff. as you're saying cheap. <laughs> yeah, well, so I look I, I looked at this now. and I'm glad you're bringing it up because it seems like a lot of negative comments about it online. Well, right? I have some I have some of this you, stuff and it's it's been running fine for me. Really? Yeah, no. Issues. I ran a bunch of it. Hmm. It seems like a decent price. Okay. Yeah, like thirty-eight cents around. Uh, don't run for Ipsic because it's it feels light on recoil. Oh, okay. I don't think I don't think it's making full, full power factor. Okay, there you go. Oh, okay. That's all I needed to know. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Adrian. Where is, where is this? Stuff made? Oh, it's Czech Republic. And for tonight's main topic, we have Russ and Matt on to talk to us about the NR. Nationals uh, that were held in Texas. Is that correct? No. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty close. But it, was, it was a good effort. No. Somewhere. <laughs> that were held somewhere. No, no, the location was right. Yeah. It, was, it, was it, was the, it was the acronym that was uh, yeah. a little bit off. Oh, okay. okay. So Matt, what, Please tell what? me what the proper acronym is, Matt. 
And, uh, uh, well, the Nationals match, no, it actually was part of the uh, PRS series. So it's the PRS okay. Rimfire series. Uh, NRL is also very close because that's another uh, another series, I guess, of precision rifle matches. Yeah. Yeah. So before we actually talk about the match itself, why don't we uh, introduce you guys specifically? Because everybody, well, if you've watched Slamfire before, if you've watched the Rimfire podcast or if you have watched youtube you probably know matt matt is uh, also known as one fat hi matt hi how's it going That's good. <laughs> hello and then if um, you uh if you've attended a maple seed here in ontario at all in the past year and a half two years you probably know russ because russ is one of our shoot bosses hey, hello. Russ. hello russ okay hello. i thought i'd introduce him. <laughs> thank you <laughs> Um, so both you, uh, um, PRS here in Ontario is, is huge now, but across Canada as well, 22 specifically. So you guys, why don't you tell us about the Northern Fire Series up here first and how you progressed down to the national championships down to, and that, that happened down in Texas. So what was the first piece of it? Matt, why don't you actually tell us a little bit about, um, Northern Rimfire first, and yeah. then we'll, um, Russ, we'll talk to you about the different classes and that. So basically, uh, the the match we shot in Texas was the Nationals match, so that's sort of the, I guess, culmination of the entire yeah. season wrapping up in Texas, and essentially Northern Rimfire Series is the club here in Ontario, which is part of the PRS series, and specifically it's in the northeastern region. So the PRS nationally is divided into, I can't remember, like nine or 10 regions. Our region is the Northeast. And within that region, you will have separate clubs. So the only club here in Canada, I think at the moment, anyway, in Ontario, at least is Northern Rimfire Series. So if you participate in the NRS, you can accumulate points in order to qualify to shoot the regionals, which was back in October, I want to believe, I want to say. And uh, if you shoot the regionals in October and you do well enough, you can get an invite to shoot the nationals match, which again, this year was in Texas. So Russ and I, uh, we both shot the regionals and that was in Pennsylvania. Both of us qualified. I think you have to be, uh, you can correct me or else if I'm wrong, but like top 30, I think top 30 shooters out of the region, something like that. And if you're, if you're top 30, you get an invite to Texas. And then in Texas, it's basically, all the best shooters getting together to see who is uh, the reigning champ for that year. And I think it was a lot of fun. Like the season for me personally, I saw a lot of growth in my skills in Paris, which I was, I was very happy with. So I earned enough points throughout the season to do a little bit better here and there, get my points in the regionals and then go to Texas, which was kind of the, the big showdown between all the shooters. So Pennsylvania, so they're part of that Northern area as well so it's not just yep. canada it's the u.s as well and i know that uh russ you were you're do you want to talk about the different classes because i know matt and you were shooting different classes as well yeah sure so uh there are two main divisions there's open and production so open division anything goes as long as it shoots 22 lr yep. commercial 22 lr you can you can run it uh i shoot in the production division which is uh a little, uh, a little bit more entry level. So there are dollar limits and restrictions on what equipment you can use, specifically your rifle and your scope, right. uh, under PRS rules. And the rules are different in Canada and the U.S., but we're talking about U.S. rules here. 
uh, under PRS, Precision Rim Fire Series rules, your rifle and scope combined have to cost less than 1500 US at MSRP. And you can't modify anything that would improve the accuracy. So no upgraded triggers, no barrels, no like can't swap out the stock. You, you pretty much have to run it more or less as it came from the factory. So yeah. I shoot in that division. Okay. And you mean, you, mean of, you used to shoot in that division? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So for all of for all of 2022, and actually all of 2021, I shot in the production yeah. division. Um, but he's stepping it up. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm uh, moving on up. So, so when you say fifteen hundred dollars for the production division, that has to be like a factory gun. You can't have a custom built gun for fifteen hundred US. Uh, that is correct. Yeah. So there, there is something that says that uh, whoever produces it has to produce some certain number of them to to mm. make it a factory and not a custom. It's kind of like auto racing rules. I okay. say that's very similar to something like production and Ipsic. Yeah, same idea. Yeah. So Matt, you actually do not shoot in production. You shoot open. Yeah. And- uh, so when I started this whole sport in 2020, <laughs> I started in open just because I already had sort of yeah. the whole setup going on. Uh, but what I actually like about production rules for the PRS is since it just gives you a dollar cap for the entire rifle optic combo, you can do a lot of sort of tweaking, like how much you know, do you want to prioritize the rifle or the glass and then whatever leftover money in the 1500 you use on the other part, right? So it's cool seeing sort of the different setups in the production division specifically because open, everyone has rifles now that cost, I don't want to say like obscene amounts of money. Yeah. So um, yeah, open is open. You, know, you shoot whatever you want and production, obviously you have to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, particular in what you yeah. spend your money on. So it's- Did you guys- did you guys have to get an invite to go down to Pennsylvania as well? You, you had to earn a certain amount of points, correct? Uh, I don't oh, remember, no. Russ. Do you remember? No. <laughs> I, I don't okay. think there was an invite required to go. I thought there would be, but um, no, I actually don't think in the, at the end of the day there there was a. I think I think points. technically, if you have if your region has enough shooters, and I don't think any region had enough shooters for this to be implemented, but there is a qualification for regionals. However, there's so many spots in regionals. If you want to go, chances are you can make it. So I think that's what happened. Right. Uh, whereas whereas Texas, for sure, you need to be one of the top shooters top, to get an invite to top that. thirty. Right. Yeah. Just say like you're the best in Canada, and how are they going to check? Hey, just put up here, eh? I outran my sled dogs to come do your competition. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, all I'm sure it's the same as Ipsic. Like all the scores are tracked and on their site and whatever. Yeah. So you can see where you stand nationally. Yeah. The way the the way the invites worked, um, it was after your regional finale was done. So the Northeast regional finale was all the, you know, all the shooters from like uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Ontario, whatever, all of that Northeast region. Yep. Um, once once that's done, um, they'll they'll go down the list. Definitely. There are thirty slots for open, three slots for production, and then there's four additional classes. Those are uh, junior, senior, lady, and uh, mill slash Leo, uh, yep. military law enforcement, active duty. Uh, so that means there's a total of 37 invites available after or for each region. For each so, region, yeah. you know, so for Northeast, there were 37 people who would get get invites. Yeah. And I think 10 or 12. I was going to say, OK, let's talk about the Canadian contingent that went down to <laughs> Pennsylvania. 
Oh, okay. right. Because the Canadians, when you guys did go down to the regionals, you all you kicked ass, basically, right? <laughs> I was, I was we quite happy did with how really, the really well. Did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. we were disproportionately well represented near the top of the board. Right. What do you think? Nice. Is? Yeah. Um, why? Uh, well, I no, think it was probably no harder for us to get there. Honestly, like, like there, there were. There's a lot of people who shoot in Ontario and it like well over well over a hundred. And you know, the most serious ones, I guess, are the ones who like, okay, I'm gonna do this trip to Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, whereas for the people who are in Pennsylvania, it's just kind of more of a local match. Yeah. Right. Like it's the finale, but it's it's mm. close by. Okay. That might be one. Uh, also, I think we shoot at longer distances than I've seen at most of the US matches I've gone to. Which uh, I was totally hmm. I was floored when That's you told surprising. me that. Yeah, yeah so so our typical Northern Rimfire series matches will have targets out out to and beyond 400 yards. Like 420 yeah. might wow. be the furthest distance that that I've seen in a match. I don't know, Matt, is that your your experience? 420. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas well, for the U.S. matches, I rarely see anything over like 280 or 300. Uh, yeah, you. But yeah. what's the what's the difference between their targets and ours? No, their targets in close are much smaller. They mm-hmm. they tend to have like an inch and a half targets at like 130 yards. Wow. Um, but but on, the, on the flip side, on the flip side, they're shooting off of much more solid barricades because our barricades yeah. have to all fit in Adam's trailer afterwards. So oh, everything right. is just yeah. posted into the ground with T-posts. Whereas a lot of the fixtures in the American matches are like... Uh, they're solid fixtures. Yeah, they're like they're uh, like buried into the ground and you can yeah. load into them as hard as you want. So it, it is different. And I think... Uh, I think they're both balanced, you know, on either side of the border. The difficulty is as you get higher, like obviously the regionals is a really tough match and the nationals is a really tough match, but in the season, yeah, I think, I think they're about the same in terms of difficulty. You know what? I think the, the part of the difference is just our setups. Like a lot of the clubs that we've shot at in the U S it's a, it's a club. It's a fixed location. They can yep. set up permanent fixtures, permanent barricades. They often have a fixed limited distance they can work with. So they, Whereas our matches, we don't have like a single location. We're kind of like the traveling roadshow around the province. So there's matches all over the place and they're mostly field matches, right? Like it's, it's a farm, right? So you've got lots of distance, but you don't have any permanent fixtures. So that, that's the style ends up reflecting that. Okay. So Canadians overrepresented, obviously in North, Northeastern regionals. Well, I can give you the numbers on that. So there were, there were 95 shooters at regionals. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we had 14 Canadians attend uh, of the 37 spots available to advance. I think Canadians took 10 of them of the nine trophies that were handed out. Canadians took four of them. Wow. 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 And of the two divisions. Was it that many? Oh, I, yeah. guess it was. I remember the pictures. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So there, there were nine trophies handed out, four of them went to Canadians, and of the two divisions open in production, a Canadian took both of them. Wow. Nice. So congratulations, yeah. you guys. So Grant, Grant Sparling, who did yeah. superbly well, uh, took the open division, and I took the production division. Congrats. That's awesome. Awesome. Hey, Congrats. Congratulations. congratulations. So you said ten invites down to the nationals down yeah, in we had nine. We had nine, nine Canadians make the trip. Okay. So Matt and six others flew, and then uh, two of us drove. 
Okay, so let's Girls talk about that because that's part. That's part of why I wanted to have you guys on too because we have a lot of people that are asking right now after everything that's been going on <laughs> with you know whatever, um, talking about traveling now down into the U.S. or traveling abroad. So Matt, you uh, you flew, and you flew with uh, everybody else, and you took some gear on the flight. But Russ, Russ was the the pack mule and brought a lot of the stuff like the ammo and that down in his car. No, I you mostly did. brought the bulky, like, awkward I gave, stuff. Uh, that I gave Russ my the... tripod, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I brought people's, like, shooting bags and, like, sandbags and tripods and stuff that you wouldn't want to pack on yeah. a plane in your carry-on yeah. or would yeah. put you way over your weight limit. Yeah. So let's talk to you, Matt, about going through the process. Was there anything special you needed to do um, to actually fly? Uh, yeah, I will caution anyone first off by saying uh, do your own research because <laughs> I, I don't want I don't want any liability. But uh, what I did personally was uh, first off you have to be careful because a lot of the videos you'll watch on YouTube are Americans flying with rifles or yeah. firearms, and in Canada, I think Air Canada specifically says you can't put your ammo in with your firearm, which in the states you can do, like in the same container. I mean, yeah. so that right there means if you're flying. In, within Canada or out from Canada, you basically have to have two checked items if you're bringing a firearm and your ammo, obviously. So my firearm was obviously in my uh, Pelican case. And then I had another checked luggage with all my match equipment, including my ammo, which was in a miniature Pelican case and locked and everything. So that worked well. But you have to also be careful to stay under like the 50 pound limit or else it'll charge you out the wazoo for uh, for overweight baggage. So what's funny is when I left Montreal, my rifle case weighed like 47 and a half pounds or something. When I left Houston to come back, it, I know for a fact there was less stuff in the rifle case and it was measuring at 52 pounds. And I was like, your scale is <laughs> off, man. Like there's no way. Anyway, so I like I took my bipod and a couple things out to come back to Canada just to keep it under the 50 pound limit. Um, but yeah, just make sure obviously it's under 50 pounds unless you're, you know, you don't mind paying and that your ammo, if you're flying out of Canada, is not with your rifle. Um, another tip that was good that I got was make sure you have a lock for every single one of the eyelets in your case, which is a silly rule. But if you have four eyelets in your rifle case, if you leave, if you lock three of them, but one of them doesn't have a lock in it, for some reason, they have a problem with that. So just make sure you have enough padlocks. And um Besides that, it, like theoretically, it worked, but I would not, <laughs> I would not fly if I'm flying to somewhere in the states for a match. I now will cross the land border and fly out of Syracuse or Buffalo because it was such a headache transitioning between the countries as well as uh, switching between Air Canada and then United because they don't communicate very well. And I've crossed the land border uh, many times now, at least half a dozen times for matches, and it's been pretty smooth. So. For me, it's not worth the trouble with the airline trying to do it. So I'm just going to do domestic within the States next time because it was just it was a really big hassle, to be honest. So that's my tip. If, you, if you're close to the border, just drive to the States, cross the land border, and then fly domestic because it was kind of a disaster for uh, it. We were okay. delayed. We were delayed almost eight hours getting to Houston. Oh and then, yeah, and then coming back uh, from Texas to Montreal, the flights went smooth. But at the Montreal airport, we were delayed almost three hours because of the firearms. So it was just, uh, yeah. So was what, just, when you say you were delayed by the firearms of Montreal, were they, did they ask you extra questions? Okay. What, what so, you went through? Mm. so uh, I think, I think it comes down to the fact that 
Air Canada in general probably doesn't deal with as many firearms coming in because when we got to Texas, for instance, you knew exactly where to go. They said, okay, if you oversize baggage and firearms go to the whatever baggage counter and it was fine, they just check your ID, you can get it. When you get to Montreal, they have no idea what to do with firearms. They don't know if they should put it on the regular carousel, put it on the unmanned oversized baggage or you know, put it into secondary. So Robert, Colin and myself all flew to Montreal on different flights on different days, I think too. Roberts was like severely delayed. He waited a few hours. Uh, Colin's rifle just came out on the regular carousel like before he <laughs> arrived. So his, his rifle was just spinning around on the carousel. Like, thank goodness someone didn't just take it, right? Perfect. And then, and then my rifle, um, the reason why it was so delayed was they told me it would come out on the oversized baggage area. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I, I'm going to stand there, obviously, because when a rifle comes out, I want to make sure I'm in possession of it all that stuff. So I waited there for like an hour, asked the guy at the baggage counter. He's like, Oh no, like just keep waiting there. It'll come out. I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, I had air tags in my rifle case as well as my luggage bag. So I could see they were in the area and I was like, Hey, it's not coming out. Something's going on here. I go back to the baggage counter like 45 minutes later. And then he's like, another guy was like, Oh, is, is it a rifle case? Oh, that's actually in secondary. I was like, thanks. You could have uh, two hours ago. Wow. So I go to secondary and then, a lot of stuff happened. They finally find it in the back somewhere. Um, so I think <laughs> technically, the way the way they handled my firearm by putting it to secondary is, is actually what it's supposed to happen. Yeah, technically. But yeah. again, given the fact that that didn't happen to two of my other friends, like they just have no idea mm. what they're doing. And uh, the reason why I was waiting at baggage too is because I know Colin and Robert arrived back to Canada uh, well before I did because my wife and I stayed a few extra days just to check out Houston. And they said it wasn't a secondary, so I didn't wait a secondary, but clearly they're just very inconsistent with how they deal with firearms. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have to fill out any extra forms or anything? Uh, yeah, tons. <laughs> it was yeah. a, it was like a stack of paperwork. It was awkward, too, because you have to open your rifle case for them to inspect it. But in Canada, they just tell you to open it when there's like 50 people lined up behind you, and it's a bit awkward. All righty, then. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's really awkward <laughs> no problem, boss. <laughs> and then you, you have to put like uh, the slip uh, into the rifle case, a carbon copy into the bag with the ammo in it. And then you keep yeah. one on your person and all this stuff. So um, yeah, lots of forms of stuff, but again, like it, it worked. I got my rifle there and I got it back, but in the end I wouldn't fly out of Canada again uh, yeah. to go to the States. Just my experience driving was so much better. Okay. Let's talk to <laughs> Russ about his experience driving. Now I will, um, mentioned that Russ was also traveling with a pistol as well. Yep. So let's talk about that. We will even get... even with that, it was still better than what pretty much all the people who flew had okay. to deal with. All right. So so, so the the, the process starts long before your trip. Uh, for for the U.S., if you're bringing any firearm in, you have to file a Form Six NIA uh, yeah. with ATF. Yep. Um, it's which is the same for flying, by the way. Like I had yeah, all that. It, any border crossing, you, you, you're going to have to do that well in advance. Uh, the turnaround time when we did it was like two weeks. So, um, well, two weeks when you got it right, an extra two weeks because I got it wrong the first time. But um, <laughs> so a month. Um, but uh, once you have that, and it's good for a year, uh, my suggestion is any firearm you plan on bringing into the country, just put them all on the same form. Yeah. And then whenever I go, I'll just print up the form, highlight the specific firearms that I'm bringing, and uh, make it easy for the person at the border crossing 
Uh, and then what I also do is like take a white grease pencil to all the serial numbers so they can actually see them in the dark. So, uh, make their life easy. That's good. Um, yeah, that is a good. So idea. anyway, going in, uh, every single time it's been the same. It's, you know, I'll hand them my passport. I'll hand them my form six. It's highlighted what I'm bringing. They'll ask where you're headed. I'll explain. I'm going to a competition, whatever. Uh, on occasion, they've asked me, do you have an invitation, uh, for the competition? Technically, you don't require it depending on what visa or not visa you're you're entering under. Most Canadians are entering under a visa waiver, so you don't need this. Yeah. But I don't feel like arguing, so I just print it up and bring it with me and hmm. show them what they want, what they ask for. Um, it's never taken me more than twenty minutes crossing into the U.S. Even with a handgun, <laughs> makes like no difference. Uh, it's just all they do is check: does the serial number match what's on your what's on your form six? Good. Have have a safe drive. Okay. Um, some, most of the, more often than not, it's been, you know, pulled over to secondary. On the most recent occasion, there was like no one in line behind me because I crossed like after midnight, and he just like looked into my car as I opened it in my car in the line there, and uh, got the serial numbers and went on my way. So, yeah. uh, how was it coming back into Canada? It has varied, and it's uh, it's different. It the rules are different depending on what you're bringing. So, yeah. uh, we'll we'll talk non restricted first. And then we'll, we'll talk restricted handgun. Before we go talk about, we still have a couple of things that we need to talk about, about getting out of Canada too, because you had to apply for an ATT now, correct? That's right. Just so now, just to mm-hmm. get the handgun from my home to the border crossing, you need an ATT, uh, authorization right. transport. Mm-hmm. And, Matt didn't uh, need that, by the way, right, Matt? Yeah, that's right. I don't need that for a non-restricted non-restricted rifle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I did that application early as well because I don't know how long these things take now, and yeah. uh, I emailed it off and I got a reply back from the um, whatever the you know the Ontario CFO's office asking me for my form six, and that sort of like raised some alarm bells. Like, wait, why do you need why do you need that? And I didn't really feel like arguing, so I'm like, all right, fine, I'll just send it. And uh, I think my suspicions were kind of unnecessary because what they did for me is every single restricted firearm that was on my Form 6, they, they put listed? it all into one ATT that's good for a year. Oh, cool. oh, oh good for a cool. year. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So for the, okay. same length of, uh, for the same length of time that the Form 6 is good for, they've just given me an ATT for all of the all of the restricted firearms on that form six for the same length of time so i'm I'm kind of happy with that is it this is the ontario cfo yes can you give us the name of the person that you were talking about (laughs) (laughs) i'll look it up but yeah she please yeah she was she was really helpful like i i was at first questioning like wait why am i why are they asking me for this like they shouldn't need it but the fact that they did ask me for it and gave me like one piece of paper that's good for all of them for a year was like hey thanks someone's someone's thinking Mm-hmm. Now, here's a question on that, because mm-hmm. I dealt with this in the spring with the uh, ATT for the border crossing. Me and Buddy had different uh, experiences, but are you resigned to one crossing in Ontario, yep. or did she any it's crossing every, in Ontario? They put on every land border in the province of Ontario that can actually wow. cross. So nice. everything from like Sorry, Minnesota yeah. all the way yeah. to, yeah, all the way to like wow. Corn- Cornwall, Cornwall operate, yeah. whatever, all of those. Yeah. yeah. Every single awesome. one. Awesome. Nice. So, yeah. I'm like, bullshit. Hey, good job. Good job. CFO. 
Um, what about what about coming back? Because I know there's just a couple extra forms that you have to fill it to come back over. And we're gonna we will yeah. get to Texas eventually here in a few minutes. But let's talk <laughs> about coming back with your firearms because. Okay. Um, yeah. So the so we'll, we'll we have to cover restricted and non-restricted, or yeah, we'll, we'll cover non-restricted first. So for that, pretty much bring your pal. That's it. Um, they tell them what you have. So when I show up at the land crossing, I'll give them my passport and my pal. Of course, they'll see the pal. They're like, what are you bringing? I'll tell them. Uh, most of the time, uh, well, one time they didn't even bother asking. They're like, do you have any alcohol, tobacco? No. Have a safe drive. I'm like. Okay, fine. Um, so didn't even ask about firearms since they didn't ask and told me to drive. I just drove. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but most of the time when I've said I've got a non-restricted firearm or, or three, um, they've said, yeah, okay, well, no problem. Uh, just pull over into secondary. We'll just verify that they're non-restricted. And that's all they did. So, yep, bolt action rifle. Okay, good to go. And then they were actually more curious about the rifle itself or the competition yeah. or whatever. What are you so, doing? Yeah. How do you so, like it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so all good experiences. Um, the, for a restricted handgun, you need more. Um, obviously you need your ATT first of all, yeah. um, to get it, you know, from the border crossing to your home, you need your registration certificate to prove that it's yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now as of October, you need a import permit. Correct. And uh, interesting. That's so that's new, and um, so that that comes through Global Affairs Canada. So yeah. I contacted them. They were also helpful, but I don't think they fully knew what they were doing. Not not. I don't mean that in, in like a you know disparaging way. Like it's new, and they they do yeah. import permits for all everything under the sun. So mm. handguns was probably new to them, and uh, so it took them a little while. Uh, and by a little while, I mean like four days, like not, not like, okay. um, like not like what we've gotten used to. So, um, here's the things with the import permit. It's only good for 29 days. So I'd initially inquired about it like two months in advance and they're like, yeah, there's no point in getting it now. Cause it'll have expired by the time you're actually crossing back. So, so get it when you're closer to when you're leaving. And hmm. that made me a little anxious cause I'm like used to waiting for months to get things. So yeah. but they got it, got it to me in four days. Uh, there is a, a fee that you're supposed to pay and it's like $15 or something like that. It, it, it's technically dependent on the value of the, of the handgun, yeah. but um, they never actually asked me to pay it and they just gave me the, the import permit anyway. So, okay, cool. Um, so anyway, um, so that, that's all the paperwork that you need. You need your, your pal, you need your ATT, your reg cert, and you need your import permit for a handgun. Right. So you need to do that. Uh, you said it was only good for 30 days, but you still need to do it in advance before you cross over the border. Before you come back, because you can do it all online. Like I, I technically got it finalized while I was in the U.S. Oh, okay. Um, so, it, so it's good from 20, 29 days from when it's issued. So if you're out for longer than a month and you're going to kind of have to apply for it while you're out of the country, yep. but do it like at least I'd say a week before you plan on crossing back in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, I don't know if it's one, uh, like one import permit per handgun or one for all of them. Cause I only had one. Okay. Well, so. it's a good, it's, you can actually go and call them and ask. And they were yeah. actually really, really helpful. 
They they didn't love the fact that they had to do this, but they did do everything they could to make it easy for me. Because they're probably sitting there going, oh, this is stupid. Well, there's not enough to have to do and more work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Now that we've talked about that, and we will, we will, um, what we'll do is we'll post the links for those two so that people can get them. I know Kyle, I had an inquiry about it. Um, last week and Kyle said here go to this group and it'll direct you to where you need to go so we can actually post that in the comments field as well so if people want to know who they have to contact about these import export um, permits we can actually post that there too so let's talk about you guys actually have now flown down into Houston let's talk about that so how did it go well, I, I drove there, so it took me a while well, to get yes. there. I didn't like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't get like, you know, I crossed straight into Houston, but the, the trip was fun. Um, the trip was fun. Twenty five hours I of just, driving. Uh, Tyler commented one for all, for as far as how many expert permits you need if you have multiples, and Tyler yeah. just come back from Ipsic uh, Worlds, so he's saying one for everything. That's awesome. awesome. Thanks, Tyler. <clears throat> okay, so. Um, yeah, let's talk about getting to Houston. Um, the competition itself, how many people were there? You said that there was different classes in that as well. And how many Canadians went? How did you do? So where do we want to, where do we want to start with us? I can give you some big, big picture numbers and okay. then, uh, we'll, we'll talk about how each of us did. So the, the match overall, I think, had 191 shooters registered. Wow. Um, so broken up into 20 squads. Uh, there were 20 stages and so and on two separate fields. So, uh, you know, there was a, a practice day on the Friday. You got a chance to, you know, shoot on just about everything. Uh, you didn't have the matchbook yet, so you didn't really know what props or what targets belonged to which stage. But yeah. you had a chance to, you know, through your, you know, ballistics and all of that before, uh, beforehand. Saturday was day one. Squads one to ten started out in field one. Squads eleven to twenty started in field two, and just like an, you know, an Ipsic event, you, you know, your squad runs through and then you move on to the next stage. How many people um, were in a squad? Nine or ten people per squad. Okay. Yep. So of the hundred ninety-one, I think one hundred eighty-eight finished. Um. And there were nine Canadians shooting. Yeah. Uh, Grant and Matt were in squads one and two. The bulk of the Canadian contingent was, I think, in squad seven, I want to say. And then the two of us who didn't register in time to make it into squad seven ended up uh, <laughs> in like squad 13 or something like that. Okay. So were you squatted according to how you rank nationally? Partly, Matt. Maybe you should cover that. Yeah, so both the regionals and the nationals had the first four squads, I believe, squatted per standing as for as per the PRS rules. And I'm not sure why. It's probably just some arbitrary numbers. But basically, the top 40 shooters or so are squatted um, by your rank. So again, Grant uh, was in squad one, I was in squad two, and then everyone else could freely squad as they wanted to. So okay. the Canadians sort of, again, meshed together to create squad seven. Uh, Russ was late because he wasn't checking his Facebook messenger and he had to get bumped <laughs> to, uh, whatever open squad there was. So it was, it's, it's nice. And it's not nice at the same time because you travel so far uh, yeah. for me personally shooting in a squad where I don't know anyone. It's a bit, 
I don't know if intimidating is the word, but you know, it's not the same vibe as shooting in Ontario yeah. with all your buddies. Right. Yeah. And yeah. being, being such a competitive match as well, everyone in your squad, especially since you've been ranked with the top shooters, they're very in the zone focused. I mean, they're friendly, but it's not, you know, making jokes and, you know, teasing each other while they're shooting a stage. So definitely different vibes. I, um, I was also squatted for the regionals match because of my ranking. I was in squad one for that. And uh, it was, it was a little bit friendlier because I already knew some shooters because we were in the Northeast division or region, I should say. Uh, Yeah. So what, what Russ said, there's nine Canadians and I believe three of us were in production. Russ, is that right? Two or three? Uh, Two, just me and Dan. Two. Okay. And the rest of us were shooting open. Yeah. Okay, so how did the Canadians do? So Specifically, how did you do? <laughs> so overall, <laughs> relative to the field, I would say our positions were lower because obviously these these are the best of the best getting together to to shoot this match. My my original goal going into this match was to get top ten percent, so roughly top twenty. I ended twenty third for the match, which so is shy of my goal. But I will say it this the competitive level at this match was on a whole nother level. If you just dropped one point, you would get bumped down like seven or eight spots because that's how tight wow. the competition was at the top. Wow. Yeah, very, very tight competition. And and what's funny is in terms of how I was shooting, I, I'm actually very happy with how I shot in Texas. I mean, we're overall a little bit more tired from all the traveling, shooting in a yeah. new location. You're not familiar with the winds and whatnot. And on day one, I, I will say there was a little bit of luck involved, like anything, you know, that's out in outdoors because field one which is what we started on was much more open and the distances were generally a little bit further than field two which was sheltered by trees with closer distances and and day one winds were pretty nuts Uh, i only dropped i want to say 13 or 14 points day one and none of them were due to like a bad position or something they were mostly wind or whatnot so i was happy with how i was shooting day two i shot even better I only dropped seven points and all, all the stages were out of 10 and my, my lowest score on day two was nine. So I only dropped one wow. max on, on a lot of stages. So overall I'm happy with how I shot uh, ending 23rd. I can't be upset with that to be honest, because, because these shooters were just insane. And, and since I'm sandwiched between squad one and squad three, you hear the scores being called out and it was rare to hear anyone not clean a stage. Like these were some really phenomenal shooters in my squads. So it was uh, yeah, it was actually really cool. I think there's a lot of talent in the States, obviously that we don't see in Canada. They have a bigger pool of shooters to be, yeah, they do. you know, um, I think Grant Sparling got, uh, I, I want to say eight or ninth, maybe even higher, maybe sixth. For the match, something like, yeah, something like that. Okay, yeah, top top nice. ten. So that was awesome. Uh, last year he got second, so you know he's definitely up there. And in terms of um, seasonal standings, so national standings after the nationals match, Grant was second overall, and I was eleventh. Wow! Wow! Good for you! Congratulations! Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you. I was very happy with that. Russ, how are you? How about you? How are you? Uh, so um, first off, you I'm shooting the I shoot in the production division, so I'm not actually yeah. going head to head with all the people with their like. Fancy rifles. Um, <laughs> next year you will so be. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, next year I will be. Uh, so there were also fewer shooters in the production division to start with. So out of the 190-something, only 20 were shooting production. Uh, and my, my goal going in was was pretty low. I just I didn't want to like finish last. 
<laughs> that was kind of my goal. That's my uh, goal. And I figured, you look, somebody's going to have a rifle fail or something, so somebody's going to finish last. Hopefully it's not me, right? But um, but I exceeded my goal. No, um, oh, that's good. I ended up finishing ninth out of the out of the twenty. Uh, I'm, I'm nice, definitely nice. happy with, with how I shot. Uh, what was really impressive to me was that the top production shooters were actually in, like, seriously in the running in, in the overall standings. Like, they, I think oh, they finished yeah. like third or something like that. Oh or wow! Fourth, like one, like the top production shooters were like right up near the top. Wow. Um, so I was not in the same in that, not in that league. Um, my like the way I look at how did I do. Uh, one is sort of like hit percentage, like uh, of the total targets, how many did you miss? But then I really look at like how many stupid mistakes did I make? Yeah. Um, things that had nothing to do with wind or whatever. It's like, dude, you shot at the wrong target or like, um, yeah, you held the wrong elevation or, or like things that I should be smarter. I, I only made four of those mistakes on day one and I made none of those mistakes on day two. Nice. So good. You know, I, will say, nice. I will say, Sorry to butt in, but those mental mistakes that you talk about are like, they seem so silly when you're talking about them after the fact, but when you're shooting a stage in the zone, your, your brain function is at like 5% of its normal capacity. So that's where all the little mistakes trickle in. And I spent basically the entire spring really focusing on eliminating all those silly mistakes. And, and uh, some of the, a lot of the success I had in the season was because I worked to kill those mental mistakes. So that's what Russ is talking about for sure. Mental mistakes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Basically, they're free to fix, right? Like, like yeah. you don't need yeah. to buy better ammo or better gear. Like, just fix yourself. It's free, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so overall, for the the match, I ended up in ninth, and for the season, I ended up in sixth. Great. Congratulations. That's awesome. Right on. That's awesome. So overall, the experience a really good experience for you guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, forward to quick, doing it again next year. <laughs> open versus production question for you guys. You mentioned that there were like 30 spots for open people and like three for production people. Is there that much of a difference between the numbers in open versus production? Yeah, yeah surprisingly so. so. I think it's also because once you get more into this sport, uh, I don't want to say you can, I mean, to a certain extent, you can buy points like anything else, but if you just like gear, <laughs> you're yeah. probably going to upgrade, right? So a lot of the top shooters... Which we all do. Exactly. And a lot of the top <laughs> shooters have been doing this for a couple of years. And as the years go by, you might upgrade yeah. your scope or whatever, and you'll eventually sort of get bumped into open regardless. I think the, the really experienced shooters Russ was talking about that are competing with open shooters in terms of points and whatnot, they make it a point to stay in production, right? Like they're... They say, okay, this is my rifle build, and I'm not going to change anything because if I upgrade the scope anymore, I'm going to get bumped into open. Mm. So I think they've made a more right. deliberate choice. Whereas yeah. a lot of a lot of the other production shooters, there's a much larger gap, you know, in the disparity of points because, generally speaking, if you're just getting into the sport, you just buy, you know, a cheap 457 and put a Diamondback Tactical while you're in production, right? So I yeah. think that's kind of how it goes. But what's funny is because you guys mentioned like the fancy rifles up here, like. In Canada, I have a pretty fancy rifle. It's a Voodoo 360. Yeah. But in the States, it looks like an off-the-shelf rifle. Yeah. It's, not, it's, like, it's, not, it's not custom built by a gunsmith. I, I kid you not, like basically everyone else in my squad besides the youth shooters had like custom built by yeah. you know yeah. gunsmiths uh, with like 
head spaced rifles or you know barrels attached to them and all this stuff and tuners and all the things i just have kind of a more off the shelf voodoo not a custom voodoo so i did feel a little inferior to, to some of these guys <laughs> yeah and a lot of these guys um surprisingly with these custom builds they're running barrel lengths 24 to 26 inches for rimfire and a lot of them are straight no taper one and a quarter inch you know like truck axle so Mm. and and a lot of these builds are weighing 20 plus pounds yeah holy crap (laughs) wow uh, yeah yeah still as can be so what were some of your observations that you were surprised about i know that russ and i were talking about it last night when i was asking him um about his his thoughts on it what what were some of the observations that you saw um that surprised you a little bit or maybe didn't surprise you uh, uh, like about the match specifically yeah about the match or what people were running uh there was it's funny because here in canada well in prs in the prs world there's specific scopes that are you know well uh well sought after and you yeah, don't see cool. many mark fives like loopholes mark mark fives here in canada are pretty rare i feel like like 40 percent of the top shooters were running mark fives at the match and the rest of them were running zcos or gen threes gen three razors so a lot of high-end glass uh here in canada you see a lot more you know strike eagles you know some of the more middle or entry middle of the range skills. yeah yeah some people had some very serious money in these rim fire setups which mm-hmm. fair enough i mean they're taking it very seriously. Um, and I, I won't lie, after the match I got back, I contacted a gunsmith, which will remain a surprise, but I, I am getting a, a custom voodoo built up. Because <laughs> I, like, I was like, dang, you know, this is where it's at. And I was talking to some guys. A lot of a lot of shooters were also running barrel tuners, which yeah. was, uh, it's not surprising because the tuna can from Red Knob here in Canada is very popular. But the EC tuner, and the ATS tuner, I think it's called, like 80% of the custom builds had the tuners on them on the rifle, uh, on the firing line as well. Uh, in terms of the match itself, the format was what we expected in terms of small target sizes, anywhere from, I think I think John Gingrich measured it because he has a reticle uh, to measure them when spotting, but he said the smallest was about half MOA, so that's really wow. small. Uh mm-hmm. Up to you know 0.8 MRAD. Sorry, I'm switching units on you, but <laughs> uh, what is that like? Uh, about three MOA is sort of the regular size we saw, so 0.5 to four. And what was really interesting was anything, any target beyond 200 yards. I felt like it was a target size we were used to, but it was actually the closer targets inwards of 200 yards that were very, very small. So your wind call had to be spot on, or else you're going to get pushed off one side or the other. Which also uh, goes hand in hand with the fact that you have to have really good drop data. So you have to have good dope because if you miss, you can't be questioning if it's your dope or if it's the wind, you have to have that perfect trigger squeeze to know if you miss, it's just the wind, right? That's how you're going to correct on it. Because if it's anything else, there's too many variables for you to, to do well at a match like this. I had a question about the format. You mentioned 10 rounds per stage. Uh, there's a set time and, pos- and positions, correct? Yes, that's stage right. Briefings? Yeah, so each stage has a very specific set of targets and target acquisition order you have to do. And within the target acquisition order, there might be different positions you have to shoot from as well, from varying barricades. Now, what was also kind of strange, Russ, you can chime in on this as well, if you found it as strange, but all our matches for PRS up north here was a minute 45, so 105 second part time. And 
subconsciously you get used to running stages in 105 part-time like you know when you're running out of time mm. you sort of yeah. judge it mentally but for some reason this nationals match was two minute part-time so you had an extra 50 oh, really? seconds, which is hmm. strange because to me if anything it should have been like 90 seconds to give you even more yeah. pressure but i think what they were doing was they really wanted to focus on the small targets and give you the opportunity to get really stable and focus on making those good hits but i think so that was their separation factor they used to you know, separate the top shooters. They used really small targets. Whereas here, it's sort of a mix of really good time management and target sizes with transitions mm-hmm. and such. So it was a different style of match. And what I found was a lot of shooters that were used to the one minute 45 were rushing through the stages initially because we felt like we were running out of time when you you would finish the stage and you have like 30 seconds left. Yeah, that's, start getting you know, that little anxiety yeah. going, go, 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 go. And, uh, so we, we quickly learned to start taking our time. You can get a little bit more stable, which you needed for such small targets and whatnot. But as a yeah. shooter, you have to be aware of the type of match and type of stage you're shooting and be able to mm-hmm. adjust accordingly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it might be well, something to think about for to start switching that up as well up here as well. Just give you a little bit extra time, smaller targets. Maybe I'd rather go faster. Same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, go go a shorter time, and then when you get to nationals, then you have all the time in the world. You feel like. Yeah. 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 Well, um, for next year, it might be different. Yeah. I did have a question. That it leads into like okay, the difference of time, but you were mentioning different targets and support like the different distances and that do you think with the longer distance and the less stable supports that it helped you when you went down there and yes or no how is that going to change for next season when you guys are putting on matches and how are you going to do things differently or not you want to i was just going to quickly say i think like what I mentioned, since their barricades are a lot more stable and you had the extra time, you could really get steady on a lot of these barricades where the wobblier barricades up here with the slightly larger target sizes in general, I think the difficulty sort of evens out yeah. in, in a sense, you know, like, again, you have to be able to adjust. And I feel like Adam isn't going to change his matches, which I don't think he should. I honestly think his matches are really good preparation for what you'll see in the States. And mm-hmm. as you shoot, some of the some of the matches in the stage you'll get a feel for their differences but it's it's nice because it's not always the same thing right depending on what venue you're shooting it'll be a different experience is there anything that you would do differently in order to practice for it like for example do more more know your limits targets out at certain distances or anything like that i know steve borsellino uh he he has a farm he can practice on easily and he purposely put out smaller targets leading up to the nationals. And he said it really helped him since I don't have a private, you know, property to do that. Uh, it's, it's hard to say, uh, like I, my matches are practiced for the next match, you know, (laughs) during the season, I'm shooting a match a week basically. So there's not really, I could do to change anything. It depends. I mean, if you really wanted to concentrate on the U S matches, you could just shoot more stateside matches, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've been out with Steve a few times at, at the farm. And yeah, it definitely helps. Like his, his approach is we're going to put a two inch target out at 140 yards and we're going to have a really wobbly barricade for you to shoot from. And yeah, that certainly helped. Uh, However, my, my experience of getting down to us matches that had nice, solid, stable barricades was a bit different from Matt's and it's partly because I'm shooting production and I, I can't get a rifle that will balance 
So, you know, there's a, there's a balance point, you know, hopefully for slightly forward of your magwell, where if you can set up on that balance point on a stable platform, like it's, it's almost like you're being on, like shooting off a bipod, right? Mm. I'm shooting mm. a production rifle. It's got a 16 and a half inch barrel and a wooden stock and it's ass heavy. So there's, uh, there's really no way I'm ever going to be able to take full advantage of that stable balance mm. point because half of the rifle is still supported by me, right? So right. I, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't get as much benefit out of uh, out of the nice solid barricades as as I would have, which is kind of the reason that I now want to switch to an open rifle. <laughs> I, I want. I actually, I, I at the end of the match, I uh, you know I took a few shots off some you know from some of my squad mates' um, open guns. I'm like, oh my god, this is so much better. So much better. Why don't Why don't I do that? Yeah. So, so why don't we talk about Tom? Why don't we talk about what you were actually running? So, Russ, what were you shooting? What optics were okay. you using? And then we'll, I know um, Matt was shooting. A, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll still talk to him about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, so for this season, I put together a, a CZ457 Pro Varmint. It's, yeah. um, it has the 16 and a half inch barrel. It does not have the match chamber. And its MSRP is like 679 US. And on top of that, I've got a Vortex Venom, which is 699 US. So I'm at like 1380. So I'm, I'm, excuse me, safely under the, uh, the uh, MSRP limit. And yeah. then in terms of like the other accessories that go on it, I've got like a, a uh, Area 419 um, Arca rail on it, and all the attachment bags and all of that kind of fun stuff. Right. Th- those don't, those aren't uh, restricted in the production division, at least in the US. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, what was everybody else? So open, what was the majority that you were seeing on the line? Lots of Voodoo's. It was actually funny because at the ceremony after the match, Voodoo was a main sponsor and they said, hey, if you're shooting a Voodoo, put up your hand. And I'm not even kidding, like 60% of the, the shooters put up your hand. <laughs> really? tons, yeah. tons of Voodoo's. Uh, I would say for every Voodoo, or sorry, for every like 10 Voodoo's, there may be like one or two Rimex. So those are still very common. But here in Canada, like 80% of the firing line is a 457 or some variant yeah. of it. Uh, a lot less in the states. Okay. At least, at least top, a bad level match. I think all of the top production shooters at the Texas match were shooting 457s. Like yeah. every one of them. Hmm. Nice. What were you running for an optic, Matt? Oh, uh, so funny story. I had just I had put it in order for a Razor Gen three, like in in June or July, and. Vortex Canada only got it to me a week before nationals. And oh. as the saying goes, you should never switch, you know, your mm. equipment before a match. Well, I don't follow that saying. So I decided to put the Razor Gen 3 on the, <laughs> on the rifle and it worked out nicely. The glass is really nice. I came from coming, uh, I came from shooting in Minox uh, LR. So it's sort of their, their cheaper version of the ZP5. And the Razor Gen 3 does a better glass on that. And I also like the reticle more. So that's why I decided to use the new scope because I was already familiar with the EBR reticle. Yeah. And I really liked it. And again, there was a lot of a lot of other Razor Gen 3s on the line. And a very common complaint I heard about it, though, was that elevation turn is really stiff to turn. And um, is that true? A lot, of, a lot of shooters are sending them back to Vortex and they will fix them. But it's just unfortunate that uh, they didn't send them out, <laughs> you know, 
the way people like it already. I don't know why it's so stiff, to be honest, because in all their marketing material, they're saying, oh, it was tested by all these competition shooters, but all the competition shooters I've spoken to <laughs> don't like the elevation turret. So, so yeah, that's uh, just that's because they spoke to them doesn't mean they fixed it. Yeah, they uh, they checked <laughs> it out. They all hated it. And we're just <laughs> that line from the marketing material. Yeah. Yeah, so I know for a fact, like Grant Sparling, who also shoots a Razor Gem Three, he in the off season he's going to send his back to Vortex, and I plan to as well. Because okay. there's two issues with it. First off, the the turret's way too stiff. So if you're dialing a lot, like it feels like it slows you down, and your fingers actually hurt. Like that's how stiff it is. And the second issue with it is it's a locking turret, so it, it moves up and down. In the up position, it's unlocked, so you can turn it. But since it's so stiff. When you're when you're turning it, you tend to push down, and it'll eventually lock itself while you're turning, oh. which is obviously oh, right. not, okay. not ideal. Yeah. And and what's weird is on the Strike Eagle, there's sort of a detent, like you can hear it click up and down. On the Gen Three, it's like this mushy sort of thing going on, so it's it's not ideal. You can actually ask Vortex to delete the locking part of it, so it'll just be a regular turret, and I might do that as well. Yeah. Hmm. Awesome. Okay, guys. Any more questions for our um, amazing Canadian shooters that went down and kicked ass? No, thanks for no. kicking ass. No. Yeah, <laughs> good job, guys. Yeah, good job, guys. So before we go, Russ, do you want to tell everybody about uh, where they can find you? Where can they find you? Where can, where can they, they find, find me? You? Uh, do you want well, to I'm... promote anything? <laughs> uh, well, let's let's talk about a couple of things. So one, um, you know. The, the, easy, the easiest and best way to get started in precision rimfire oh. is through uh, ORPS, Outlaw uh, mm-hmm. Rimfire Precision Series. Um, and that's part of the CRPS organization, but whatever. Uh, ORPS matches are uh, usually half a day. There's five stages. They're short distances. Uh, targets are routinely at like 25, 50, 75, and 100 yards. So you do not have to memorize a whole lot of ballistic data. Um, you could pretty much bring whatever 22 rifle you have, preferably with a detachable magazine, and um, just about any scope, and you can have a good time. And so I, I'm one of the many match directors across the country. Uh, I run matches at Lower Trent Valley Fishing Game, which is just two hours east of Toronto. Uh, but you should be able to find a match near you, just about wherever, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many clubs are, are running RPS matches, but there are more and more. Uh, and there's a um, there's a season standing that's that's kept so you can see how your scores stack up against you know all of the other shooters across the country. You're all shooting the same course of fire, uh, the five stages with you know um, you're shooting shooting the same same match against everybody else uh, in all of your various locations. So that's tons of tons of fun. Great way to get started. Uh, okay, you do so- not need to invest in a whole lot of gear. So if people um, do have questions for you, I know that you have a special email for yourself. What is it? It is ORPS at LTVFG.ca. Cool. Nice. All right. Matt, you, where can people find you? All over the place. I know that. Uh, yeah. My main outlet, I guess, is my YouTube channel, which is Wombat, which is like Wombats with an F, stands for Wombats are Fat. And breathe <laughs> uh, same uh, same username or whatever on Instagram, and yeah. if you shoot a maple seed at Stittsville, I usually yeah. try my best to make it out. You know, say hi. 
So. Yeah, thank you for taking all our pictures this year. Was yeah, that was a lot of fun. I might try and do that again next year if I can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other thing too, I just want to promote a, a a video that uh, that Matt recently produced, and it was on packing for a competition and flying with it. So yep. go over to the YouTube channel and check that out, and we'll put that in the comments field as well. So awesome! Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for all the prep Merry that we Christmas. for tonight as well. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, guys. All right. Merry Christmas. All right. Good night. Thanks. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks again to Matt and Russ for coming on to tell, talk to us about their match and the experience of traveling to the U.S. and back. Thanks, guys. We'll get into listener feedback. We do not have any emails to read this evening. Well, that's a disappointment. No, we don't. No. Uh, yeah. on our, on our website, we have a Cabela's link and, yeah. uh, we have an affiliate link. So if you, uh, purchase something through uh, Cabela's, uh, we will, uh, we'll talk about it on the show and our website yeah. is slamfire radio at slamfire radio.com. At gmail.com. <laughs> that would be the email address. Website. Yeah. website is slamfire radio. Slamfire radio. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You leave for two minutes, Adriel. Everything goes to crap. Put your, yeah, put your guns down like chaos. <laughs> uh, we have nothing in the Instagrams or YouTubes. We do um, have a couple. Like. Uh, oh. We do have a couple on YouTube. So there was one uh, comment in re response to last week's episode, uh, and it was from Tony. Saying he will do a maple seed with his RDB. See you at the next Southern Alberta Calgary event, Adriel. Did he get nice. his uh, maple seed without the RDB yet? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> if you get it without the RDB first. The RDB will add extra challenge. Yeah. And then we did have another one uh, on the Gersan review and deep dive. So buy it, own risk. Got mine for around $300 off of GB. It arrived with a broken plug. The plug should have been inside the mag tube, but it wasn't. Just loose inside the blue box. Broken. Took a little time, but EAA sent me out a replacement. When it works, it's awesome, but I am constantly getting failures to fire. This has cost me several ducks and geese. I also have times when the bolt fails to go all the way forward, even when slammed forward, making loading impossible. I also have fit issues with mine. The forend is loose no matter how tight I twist the mag forend screw. I will be sending it back to EAA for them to fix it for me. That does sound like a pain in the ass. Made on um, Friday, maybe. Yeah, that sounds like a Friday afternoon build. Sounds like he just needs to list everything that actually works. It would be a shorter list. <laughs> Friday afternoon Corn. before Christmas. Corn yeah. feels tight on mine. Uh, and I mean, in terms of the bolt, like you can't, you can't go slowly forward. You do have to like let it snap into place. I wonder if he's getting bolt bounce issues. Hmm. Yeah, but then he even said when he's like normally you can hit that bolt forward and it will go into battery. Even like if you. Take that and set it out of battery, and you tap that. It should still go into battery, right? No, no, no. Okay, no. you need to you need to let it drop into place. Otherwise, it won't. I can't. My my roof is too low here, but uh, 
Uh, if you put it down gently and then you try pushing it forward, oh, okay, yeah, it, won't, yeah. it won't go in. So you, you do need to just kind of bounce it a little down. bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it doesn't auto, like that. Let them fly yeah. forward. No matter it, what you're, you're right, though. It does sound like he's getting bolt bounce. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for our listeners, like the bolt bounce would be like if uh, it would be on your second shot, though. Like if he's, if he's missing ducks, like his first shot should be fine. His second shot, like it comes yeah. back, goes forward, and like hits all the way down, and then it comes back just a little bit, and then it, and it's like yeah. unlocked. Hmm. Yeah, your bolt's not fully know. locked, so it won't go off. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, all I got is it, that sucks. There's a few things that you could do to help with that. Like one, one is on the back side of your uh, locking lugs. You could try and smooth that out to help it ease back into that lock position when is every every shotgun bolt's going to bounce it's just whether it actually makes mm. it back into battery or not would buying a benelli solve this problem <laughs> well it, actually no because so benelli benelli's benelli's can benelli's can do it too all especially mind. inertia guns but any shotgun can do it you you got a bolt that's going forward and it, it just bounces. If it's just mm-hmm. out just a little bit, it, it's out of battery and it it does what it's supposed to do. It's not in battery, so yeah, it doesn't go bang. Off. <laughs> just yeah, my uh my Stoger M thirty five hundred would do that quite a bit. My A five yeah. never does it, which is yeah. which is really nice. Yeah. Um yeah. and I haven't like, run across it with this one either. Yeah, like my Benelli I don't think I've had that issue in a long time, but I know even that one's done it. Mm-hmm. I can sit there like Adriel was doing and make it do it. it. It's done it in the past, but it hasn't done it in a long time. It's just like Adriel said or did just quickly grab that handle and pull it partially back and let it go back in. But you can also polish the backside of those lugs and just and on your uh, your chamber too where your log, lugs go into. Make sure that's all polished out too just to make sure that all that is super smooth. There's no burrs or anything to catch. Swapping out the springs help with that? Could mm, if you went with a stiffer recoil spring, it'll hold it in. But the thing is, usually when a, you're changing guaranteed. out the springs, if you're buying aftermarket springs for one of these, they're typically a lower power recoil spring. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so like you'll your hammer springs end up being a higher power hammer spring to get a lighter trigger, but your recoil spring ends up being lighter to allow you to run a lighter load. Okay, gotcha. So typically for aftermarket springs, no, that's eh, actually a lower powered. It wouldn't be driving forward with as much force. So that it might not bounce as much. You're right there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) If (laughs) Kelly's falling asleep or there's chicken in the oven. Doing a little shocking nerding here. Calm A. (laughs) Sleep and chicken. Got it. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, please do so at slamfireradio at gmail.com and we'll read your letter online. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can do through Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash slamfireradio, and we'll send you a patch. And we are any shout outs this evening? Yeah, I got one. Kelly? I would like to give a shout out to Kyle Kincaid for uh, he um, he got a eight point buck off the porch. Oh, nice. Well, no, he nice. didn't actually nice. get it off the dock. Off the he got a, from the it, hot tub. 
Nope. He got it out of the chair that I brought out uh, during a hunting season. He was sitting in the chair that I left there. And the, yeah, the rocking uh, chair. Was he on a rocking chair with a shotgun yep. across his lap? Just, he was. That's nice. 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 Get off my lawn. That's about the, the one uh, thing better than the hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. So the <laughs> chair was very nicely head and uh, the buck came up over, up over the driveway. There you go. So nice. he did it during nice. he did he did it with crossbow. So awesome. awesome. Well done. So eight point buck. Congratulations, Kyle. Yeah. More meat. More meat for the free law. More meat. Yep. More meat is good. Yep. Got some shout outs. Uh first one to uh to Russ and Matt. Thanks for uh coming yeah. on and yeah. telling that us great. about that stuff. Yeah. Um second uh, you know, we we also do recommendations for YouTube podcasts, that kind of thing. I know there's a lot of YouTubers who are like not gun YouTubers have guns. Uh, Backyard scientist was like just so happened to be like, oh yeah, look, my custom homemade induction thing can melt brass. He was melting two two three brass like dun- <laughs> 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 like, like, oh, I know what's going on here. Uh, Street pole, which uh, he, uh, he's a uh, He's Thai, uh, Thai American. He makes uh, a bunch of like uh, RC uh, things. Like uh, he's he seems to have guns. Wendigoon is a guy who does like, um, uh, what would you call it? Like folk tales and that kind of thing. He and uh, he was doing one on. I was on a shooting and he's like, and they had a, a rifle just like this. This it could look like this. It was like it, that, that's what it was, <laughs> like <laughs> or something like that. Uh, and then the last recommendation, uh, Ian put out a video on the Alberta, mm. um, the announcement mm. that they made. So yeah. like his, his video is not maximum caution, but like caution, like a, a yeah. good lawyer will like caution to you Reasonable. to like where the risks are, uh, yeah. with, uh, with something. Mm-hmm. So he like, I think he did a, a really good job of like laying out where the risks are with, uh, with that and, uh, yeah. kind of where, where he would recommend, uh, people do things as a lawyer, yeah. which is good. Yep. Yeah, he did a good job with that. Yeah. If you don't follow Runkle the Bailey, you should follow him. He is freaking, hey, he's just a really nice guy. Super, super yeah, cool, yeah. dude. Yeah. His videos are awesome. And he talks about not just gun stuff, talks about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I have a shout out, but anybody else? No? Yes, go. Go, ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, shout out the listeners for listening to us this year. And I guess we'll see you guys next year. Yeah, we haven't done the announcement yet. That's an awesome one. Yeah, we did it right <laughs> at the start. No, I said really. a special episode, and you guys all ripped my head off. So, like, yeah, it was with the, yeah, we mentioned it in the introduction. Well, not really, because it was convoluted, <laughs> and, and and it turned out to be a double special episode. So, I, <laughs> we will not be on next week. There, plain simple. Yeah. We're taking next week off. Come and join us on Thursday in January. We'll Fifth, I think. Mm-hmm. Fifth, the Fifth. Thursday in January, yes. The Thursday. Every Thursday <laughs> in January. It will be January 5th. Same January 5th. Time, same time channel. Right. Flip your calendar. Hopefully it has one more month left, and then it's right at the top. Yeah. What? No, I'm on <laughs> the last month of my calendar. <laughs> Which calendar are you looking at? <laughs> the the, the CCR calendar. calendar from last year. <laughs> we ended the year. We ended this episode just as confusing as we started. It. <laughs> it's on December. That's, We're good to go. 
<laughs> well, I have shout outs to Rod and Tracy at the CCFR. Like I said, that you guys have just been killing it with the yeah. videos on C21 lately and uh, the poly thing. And yeah, you guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much for all that you do. And always happy to be a member and send money your way. And uh, I want to send a shout out to all my angry hunter friends. Welcome to the fight, bitches. <laughs> I thought you were going to say welcome angry to the hunters. <laughs> See, I was thinking the whole time you're talking about that, the meme where you got the row of people hanging is your first time. Yeah. Yeah. First, <laughs> yeah, time. first time. Yeah, that's yeah. a great one. one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I have no shout outs because it probably would be confusing. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Move us along. Well, now I'm confused because you have no shout outs and everyone else did. I find that confusing. You think so? Yeah. Okay, Kelly's hungry. We got to go, Dave. Yep, let's go. Um, go, go, go. Check us out on Gutters Out of Canada. Like us on Facebook. Give us a review on Facebook. Join the CCFR. Very, very important. And see you next week. And happy holidays and Merry Christmas. We'll see you next year. year. Oh, next, next year. Next year. Oh. year. See, I confused again. I confused <laughs> next year. Right off next the rails. Year. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody, and whatever you celebrate this time of year, I hope it's awesome, and you and your family and happy your friends Annika. have a safe and fun, happy Eid, except happy Festivus. Festivus Merry for the Christmas, rest of us. happy holidays, happy new year. Three hours to Festivus. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.